Hello, this is Sabrina Marie with the Building Abundant Success series, our primetime mastermind of empowered focus, decisive action, and inspired outcome. Our year's focused spotlight, entrepreneurship, economic empowerment, networking, and tonight, communication. My guest is the one and only Bev Smith, currently the host of the Bev Smith Show, heard on the American Urban Radio Networks, where she's fondly known as the queen of late-night talk, and she's hosted that show since 1998 and is the only African-American woman with a talk show uh, that's nationally syndicated in America. She captures her audience with the latest newsmakers, never afraid to tackle issues uh, such as homelessness. Uh, she's walked the streets and investigated prostitutes, uh, raised money, for babies with AIDS and talk with inmates on death row. She's interviewed personalities and political figures such as uh, our president, Barack Obama, Bill Cosby, Vice President Al Gore, Jesse Jackson, Maxine Waters, just to name a few. And uh, the Beth Smith Show offers a unique community connection. African Americans know and trust her to deliver critical information and entertainment news. I'd like to welcome Bev Smith. Thank you for being with us, Bev. Thank you for having me, Sabrina. Thank you for asking me on your show. I'm delighted and honored. Yes, I wanted to have you because I knew that uh, you know, and in listening to you over the years, you have had a, a broadcasting career since 1971, and uh, you were the first uh, African American consumer affairs investigative reporter for WPXI Television. And I wanted to go and talk about that time period for women of color in the communications field. What was that like? And uh, maybe you should start with where you're from. Let us know a little bit about Deb Smith. Well, I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And my career in communications started the way it used to in the older days. There were not that many colleges that taught classes in communications, and if they did, they really didn't teach on experience in television and radio. Usually it was writing press releases, things like that. The world of communications has certainly ch changed. But when I got into communications in the late 60s and early 70s, it was the beginning of the women's liberation movement. Mm -hmm. It was after the death of Dr. King, and people were on fire for change. And so with me, you got a twofer. You got a black woman and you got a woman. And so you got two for the price of one. So it was an interesting time in that most women who were getting into journalism or getting into communications, as I did, uh, represented two markers for the managers of the stations when FCC came around. I got one of them, and I got one of them. And it was an interesting time. Were there a lot of African-American women in the field at that time? No. Uh, really and truly there weren't a lot of women. And the women were relegated. Um, they were relegated to things like doing commercials, doing the weather. There was an uh, anchor, but they were usually at noontime, certainly here in the city, but that was indicative of what was going on all around the country. This was the late 60s, early 70s. About the mid-70s, it exploded for women and for minorities. Now it's back to where you can count us again. Oh, my heavens. What do you think that is? Because the media is letting people go, and we are still 
the last to be hired and the first to be fired. All you have to do is check with the National Black Journalists Association. You will find how many seasoned investigative reporters from the Washington Post, the New York Times, the Economist, and all these other magazines that are out have been let go. We're losing a whole field of communicasters who look like me, and no one seems to be sounding the alarm. Now, that's puzzling that you mentioned that because you would think that after all these years, and especially what's going on right now with uh, unemployment, with Haiti and other things, you would want people of color to be involved uh, in, the, in, in reporting the news because if you don't have African Americans reporting that news, you get it from other sources and you really don't get a clear picture. Right now they're saying that economically African Americans are unemployed with 14.7% when the actual figure, if you look at black journalists and go to some of the black news outlets, they're saying it's more like 18%. That's a big or, gap. Or, or more, or more. But that's 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 the other sadness of the story that we tell. Because during the time when I got started, not only were we a visible we were not visible in mainstream media, but we were visible in black media. Every city had maybe one or two black uh, newspapers. Mm-hmm. There were little hometown periodicals, magazines. There was neighborhood directories where you could find out what blacks were doing business and you could choose from it. There were things that we were doing that serviced our community that we are not doing now. Yes, we do see um, publications like Jet and Ebony, and the rumor is that the circulation is down. Do you believe it's because they're not digitizing on the web? I, I believe that it's for a series of uh, reasons um, with Ebony. Remember, Ebony was fashioned after Life. Right. After Remember Life magazine? And it was a pictorial. And... John Johnson felt that black people needed that. That's why I love the fact that we had the the Ebony magazine, which could show the society side of us, achievers and things like that. And then we had Jet magazine, owned by the same people, who gave us the straight up on what was happening in our community around the world. Remember, it was Jet magazine that decided to put Emmett Till's picture right. on the front cover, Mrs. Mamie Till, the late one, wonderful woman, Miss Mamie, as I called her, she um, decided to let them do it. And that's when the world that was happening in the South, the kidnappings, the castrations, the burnings, the hangings, that's when it was brought home to us in our living room. So we had periodicals then that gave us, but Ebony didn't change, didn't change at all. Okay. And and Life magazine went out of business. Mm Mm-hmm. So it didn't with the pictorial times, and I think that it stayed in the same trend. You know, you see the same faces on the cover all the time, the same people make the 100 most important list. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it it didn't change, but that doesn't mean it doesn't have worth. It means that it might need to be revamped because, look, Black Enterprise has held on and is still going strong. Right, and they're they're reporting current issues market-wise, economically, et cetera, and people seem to be picking that up. But also, a, when you, a good thing you mentioned black enterprise being, uh, you know, up and running and current, uh, you're dealing with the generations and their their attitudes when 
people started in media, African Americans started being hired, there was a hunger for that. Do you feel the generations that have come afterwards are still hungry for that type of media? No. Mm -mm. They don't. Now, they're hungry for it when an incident occurs. Right. Let's go to Missouri where a young girl was standing in line in a Walmart store store You've got mail. and moved from one place to the other and in the line, which we do all the time. Right. You know, especially if you're standing in line and you forget something and you're up next with the cashier, you say to the person in back of you, I forgot something. Do you mind if I run and get it? Mm -hmm. happens all the time. Well, when this became a newsworthy story because the police abused her, used force on her, it, it turned into a racial incident, then black people got concerned, and they went down there to Missouri, and they got involved. But after it was over, after she came out of court, after she was forced, we're talking about Heather Ellis, uh, um, after she was forced to do, to make a deal, then black people disappeared. So, no, I don't, I don't think there is that same hunger. I don't think we really know what we need. I think that we ran after the integration movement, and we thought integration was the answer, and we've turned into nothing but imitators. We ran away from everything that we had, our strength, our weaknesses, our community. We just ran lotty, lotty, lotty free at last. And we ran to sit next to someone who did not want to sit with us. And we still have never been integrated because we still have segregated housing, right. banks that redline, insurance companies that redline, the list goes on and on. And we are put in jail more, and we are unemployed at higher numbers. We get more illnesses than any other ethnic group, and that includes heart attacks, strokes, cancer of the lungs, cancer of the breast, cancer of the uterus, prostate cancer, all of it we get. So I would think personally, in my opinion, that we are worse off now than when I began, and I began as a result of civil rights movement. Now I was going to mention that that was my next question. Do you feel, because you, you said you became a, a news person in the late 60s and 70s, early 70s, uh, integration. You, you know, that's, that's my pet peeve. I, I'm glad you mentioned that. It it seemed to me, and I'm, I can't talk about those times, but my grandparents and other people in my family instilled in me images in black magazines, newspapers, et cetera. And even, I even went to an HBCU. Uh, integration, it seemed that that was the breakdown of an awful lot. And you're saying that, true, we may be sitting even now with people who do not want us there, but also that history seemed not to have been passed along to, say, my generation and, and those coming after. Why do you think that happened? Was it just that we thought that everybody's ice was colder on the other side? I think that's a great part of it. I think that black people have never dealt with delayed slave syndrome, that we have never really talked about the impact of slavery on us, how it has divided us externally, that means white and black polarized with every other ethnic group, and internally we have problems because you have some families where one daughter is lighter than the other and the light-skinned daughter gets all the attention, one child's hair is a different grade than the other, and the one with the straighter hair doesn't get as much attention as the curlier one. It 
we have never had a come to Jesus, as I like to say, about all of that, a straight-up conversation. And so that's part of the problem. The second part of the problem to me, the first part, is our own lack of esteem, our low self-worth, our refusal to embrace who we are as a people, our refusal to accept the African heritage in us when all the world says all civilization began. That's number one in Africa. And the second thing to me is that we really did believe integration was the key, but we were not after integration because integration, in my way of thinking, is the natural conclusion to equality. Once you are equal, once you have the same schools, the same things available in your community, I can catch a bus if I'm an elderly black woman in the inner city just like I can catch the train if I'm a white woman living in suburbia. We wanted equality, but we were sold a bill of goods on integration. Now, from our point of view, or from my point of view, the people selling us, the civil rights leaders, thought they were doing what was right. The other side is the side of the white politician who used it as a divisive matter, okay? You want to be integrated? You get on the bus at 6 o'clock in the morning, and we will send you to our school. Where right. you, will be, you will be greeted by white women with curlers in their hair, out with bathrooms on, yelling, <laughs> niggas, okay? So we, we believe that, and we did not get equality, and we do not have mm -hmm. integration. We still have tokenism. We still have communities that are just completely destroyed. We still have more black men unemployed than any other ethnic group. So really and truly, we thought integration was the answer for equality when it should have been the other way around. Equality would have automatically taken us to immigration, to integration. You're right. Um, you were just mentioning the 70% of African-American men don't graduate from high school, and then you've got a 70-plus percent of single mothers raising kids. Well, that's um, not new. That's not new. On the basis of our history as mm -hmm. slaves, okay. single mothers always did. We are a matriarch society, and we don't need to apologize for that anymore. We are were created to be that, and our strength came from that. And that's because our men were attacked, and black women learned how to use themselves to protect black men and to raise their family up and to give the incentive. When you see a basketball game, you hear a young man who's just won. He says, hi, Mom, we're going to Disney World, because Mom was the center. But what happened, again, we must go. We cannot talk about where we are today without talking about what got us there. Right. And one of the things are complete abandonment by black people. We ran away from everything that was ours. I mean, you know, I have some girlfriends who talk about I want to use stuff for my um, my lips to be full. What the heck are they talking about? <laughs> for what are they talking about? Our lips were full and we were ridiculed, called right. watermelon lips and everything else. Angelina Jolie gets her lips filled, Sophia Loren in my day. But the other part of this is our own failure to continue to be griots to tell the story. We don't do that anymore. And my, in my generation, had the story passed down by my mother's generation, 
who had the story passed down by her mother's generation. My grandfather told the stories of his life. My father told the stories of his life. But in this generation, several things happened. We're scattered. We're not in the communities next to our relatives like we were. We don't even want to be. And we just don't want to be black. It's not in vogue. We're worshiping the other man's golden calf. We've sacrificed everything so that we could be like them. And who are they? People who get their hair braided in the islands in the summertime. Mm -hmm. But don't want you to wear your braids to work. We're both confused. You're right. That's why I wanted to talk about communications. You're talking about black journalists, uh, you know, being uh, rare these days and not being able to be employed. If if we don't keep the stories going, if we don't keep the heritage, if we don't keep – even civil rights, and, and, and I noticed something. I have done many civil rights uh, honor, honor, uh, honorarium uh, events. You know, we've, we've done remembrances for the 50th anniversary of this, that, and the other thing. And I've done PR for these things. And it's a celebration, but very few younger generation people are brought. Why? And, that, and that's our fault. Yeah. And that's our fault because we did not bring them. You see... When I was young, girl, <laughs> when I was young, girl. You still are young. <laughs> very much, and I appreciate it. When I was younger, my father took us, I'm the oldest of six, to the labor union rallies when he was starting up a black union. My father did that. And so this was the good thing. So I was aware I was aware of the civil rights movement. I was aware because my parents took us with them. When there were meetings in the living room, we listened. And then when I had my daughter, I did the same thing. Now, what happened? What happened was so-called integration. Once again, we were diluted. And so we felt, okay, I can now use my charge account in that downtown department store and try on a dress. I'm free. That's not freedom. That's the ability to try on a dress that you were paying for anyway. And giving somebody else your money. (laughs) Giving somebody else your money. We walked past our black businesses because we didn't understand the basic law of economics. The more people come into the store and buy your products, the more products you buy. The more products you buy, the more people you need to help sell those products. We didn't understand 